We're just going to podcast through it here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this week I'm drinking a cocktail from the Cravefish Bar in New York City. It is called Ivan Drago's Fernet Mule, and it's a basic mule. I'm not, like, like, I'm not a big fan of Moscow Mules or Kentucky Bucks or even really Darkened Stormies. Um, a place across the street from, what, three places I lived ago before it became a Korean barbecue place and before it became like a brunch spot was a standard New American fair kind of restaurant and one of their bartenders there did a ginger beer lime and pisco cocktail that he didn't have a name for but I took to calling a lima llama I did like that um, this is a standard ginger beer lime and fernet combination as the name would suggest um, I actually like it because the ginger beer holds up well against the fernet fernet needs something strong to balance it out or at least have an equal uh, punch within the drink and I also picked it this week because my feelings about Wednesday can be summed up with a quote from Rocky IV if he dies he dies <laughs> after that long winded intro I'm going to try to not talk about this team or anything that's happened for as long as possible. So we'll drag oh, this introduction out podcast. a little bit more before introducing not on Martha's Vineyard, but near Martha's Vineyard, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. How are you? Uh, local uh, Mashpee Brewery Knuckabout Beer Company's uh, Black Beach uh, Imperial Chocolate Stout. Uh, Jeff, can you guess why I bought an imperial chocolate stout. I'm guessing there are at least two digits before the decimal point in the ABV. Thirteen point one percent. Ooh, that's uh, locking in. That I would have gone around like eleven and a half, so I would have. I, I guess the over was nope. a good bet there. I bought it for a reason, Jeff. Mm. Also on the line, out in Oregon, it's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hello. Uh, I kind of went with the theme, and I got a from Away Days Brewery, the Black IPA, which is heavy metal football. It <laughs> is a 7.5%. Um, and the size is a dank, black, and loud AF, which mm. there you go. Um, I don't think Wednesday are loud, but by any means, but definitely um, dark days, as we say. Yeah. Uh, there isn't really an agenda for this episode per se. I guess we're going to kind of follow the usual format, but I didn't write anything down because that was more effort than I wanted to spend <laughs> on this team More right effort now. than they deserve, yeah. But we'll start with the Norwich match. Or sorry, the Reading match. We will preview the <laughs> Norwich match. We'll cover some Wednesday news, which is about as bad as everything on either side of it, being the Reading match and the Norwich preview. Uh, and we'll see how this goes. Does anyone have any... Reading talking points. I will. Uh, well, it's it's hard to say because and I, I picked up on this from some of the uh, media as well. But the social media was so quiet on Saturday that it's pretty much we're numb at this point. I think that those two collapses last week with Luton and Rotherham left everyone numb. And again, I think they played fine for about 
12 or 13 minutes. Um, <laughs> a really bad mistake leading to a bad penalty and a red card. And no one seemed to be outraged. It just seemed to be like, yep, there there we go. So I guess um, the... Uh, yeah. I don't want to say the interesting thing for me, but it's very clear that Darren Moore wants him playing out from the back. And, man, that squad cannot play out from the back. They just can't. They are not capable of... <laughs> reading presses and making quick pass like they the internal clock to do it just really isn't there there's like three people that could probably pull it off yeah. and yeah. it was like it was okay at times but they weren't really able to create anything and once Redding started to apply a little pressure and realizing they have a threat going forward you know, the burner error was not the first one it was the first one that really came back to bite them and uh, it it was illuminating to me on a number of levels. Like, look, it was a bad pass. Um, Burner's not awful with the ball at his feet. Uh, he was probably a little further upfield than he should have been at that point and didn't really have the, the time and space to do what he would normally like to do if he's making his little runs from center back. But the fact that, like, look, I don't even mind the tackle, but... You gotta have enough. You gotta have enough, you gotta have enough pace to get back and do that before the guy gets in the box. Like if you're gonna take it to get sent off, it can't be a penalty too. At that point, just you know, maybe Wildsmith makes a stop one on one, or you gotta just let your keeper do what he did. But the fact that he doesn't have enough pace to get back, nobody else in the back line had enough pace to be a covering defender and get back, is I think also kind of a damning statement on the team right now. So. I had my son at a hockey game at 1020 on Saturday. So I get out at 1120, which is, you know, about 20 minutes to go. And I get out of the game and I check my phone and I just shut it right off. And I was like, I'm not dealing with two nothing in a fucking red card. Um, so luckily I didn't have to watch the game, but I decided to do the extended highlights. Jeff, you're spot on with burner. It, and, and here's the thing. If he can't catch him at that point, don't fucking put your hands on him. Just let the shot. Worst case scenario is it's one nothing until you fucking touch him, and now it's one nothing, and we're down a man. And the Wednesday game can is always make it worse. Already cooked. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, it was a horrifically dumb decision on his part. Uh, just it happens, but man, when you're it happens are, a lot this he's year. supposed to be a professional. Uh, yeah. It happens to this whole fucking team. You know. He... So if you didn't if you didn't watch the game, how does Penny? 30 seconds to grab you. Sorry, I didn't catch that. You, you missed the game, but how does Matt Penny coming in for Barry Bannon at, th at the 32nd minute grab you? Uh, I did see that Bannon was subbed out early. Uh, Moore, Moore had put out some comments saying, right, Barry knows that there's just a tactical change he understands. But actually, that, that would be a good talking point. I'm curious if there's any lingering issues from that. I don't. I don't think so. Given this, no. like they wanted to get back Good. to. I certainly wanted to get back to four at the back, so they just slid Urgehide into the center back spot, and somebody in the midfield had to come off. I guess because I guess they probably wanted to keep Windass and you know Patterson as an outlet and Windass to do whatever. I mean, it could have been Windass really, and they could have moved to more of like a a four four one or something like that. But well, is that not what they did? That's what I. Well, yeah, I, I guess that. that's what they did. They Patterson just Patterson back. Yeah. They did. Uh, they took Bannon off instead, which I guess I don't know what you. What are you doing at that point? You're playing one of the most yeah. uh, offensively dangerous teams in the league, 
you've already conceded a goal and you're down a man and like you know penny's not a great yeah. defender but i don't know like what the other options really were there i will say like urgihide seems to be one of the few players that could handle knocking it around at the back but yeah uh, the other couple are on the injured list right mm-hmm. like van aiken whatever you can say about him like that's what he does he he can pass the ball um Iorfa isn't great at it but he can move right um Adebajo is not great but he can like we've got pieces but ugh. I mean if Luongo was healthy he's a yeah. good outlet you know so my question but, for the both of you is you know, regardless of what results may or may not come down the stretch what do you think of the idea of more saying this is our formation this is how we want to play and just this is what we're going to do for the rest of the season now i don't know how long that's actually going to last but he does seem to this felt more like he was putting his stamp on the team in terms of style of play yeah i i asked last week if we thought uh more would come out and stick with what the team was built for 352 versus into his preferred and seemingly only system um I, I think if it's a short-term decision, it's the wrong one because this team's not built to play this way and we're going to make mistakes. But if it's a long-term decision and he knows or he's got word that he's going to be the manager when we're in League One, sorry, guys, uh, and he's going to be the one in charge of that, why not put your system in place now, see who right. can play at this, and if you get and happen to somehow try to go from there. get the results to get a great escape, you still need that information going forward if that's how you want to play in this league next year. So. That's a great point. Yeah. So You're I, I don't get the results uh, going forward. No, <laughs> not, not, not doing that, Jeff, not doing that. It's I'm, just, it, it's odd. The only, my only issue with that is that it, it, it infers that there's some kind of foresight and that's just something that we have all discussed <laughs> is not part of this team's chemistry right now, or this makeup from management on down is that they don't have foresight to plan ahead like this. Um, if if they do, so be it. Um, maybe we'll steal one or two more games and go from there. I mean, I almost admire the fact that you know Moore hasn't been promised a job past this season, but this is just how he's like. He's not trying to, you know. You noted last week that he would occasionally set up like clog the back and tuba and just try to play essentially negative football and grind out results like that. You know, if you want to stay up this year and you're playing teams like Rotherham and especially the better teams in the league, like Reading and sort of Norwich and some of the games they have coming up, you know, playing that, you know, trying to grind out results against those teams, maybe sneak one against the bad teams is a viable strategy to conjure up enough points to stay in the league. He does not seem to be doing that. And I don't know, I guess it's a pick your poison here. Do you want to watch really bad football that they might squeak out some nil nils or do you want to watch really bad football when you've got like Tom Lee stocking it around at the back well it's a great it's a, it, it's a great point though Jeff and we'll we'll talk about it in the preview but that was the Norwich game is Tony Pulis's one real success I thought his one really good performance he put on set the team up and they played excellently against Norwich last time and really shut them down until you know, the some tired players gave up a uh, couple really world-class, not world-class, but excellent goals for a really good team. Uh, 
that was the one time. So you're right. We, we could be just throwing ugly football together and trying to hang on. The fact that Moore isn't doing that as much as Mike, you're hundred percent, right? There's no fucking plan. And we've all been talking about this all year. Maybe, maybe Darren Moore has that plan. Maybe that's why Darren Moore left Doncaster aside from the money is the thought that he was given the idea that, Hey, you'll be, you'll be here next year. You know, I don't know. It's just, it, it's interesting. And we'll talk about this in the preview is that we've done, I always talk about the, the adult end of the table with your, your Watford, your Swansea's, your Burmese. And I guess Reading now qualifies there too. Uh, Brentford. You know, we, we've had, we've had Brentford. Brentford is like the grandfather at the adult end of the table <laughs> only because they've been there so long, but we've had good quality games with them. This was really the first time I really remember seeing one of those teams where you knew they were being merciful. They were not giving it. They were. Uh, three nil. Um, I, I had said the Lucas Schwell race was inevitable. Um, but yeah, this is the first time I really noticed like, yeah, they, they were, they were not. Their front four is fine. I, I, I didn't want to yeah. watch that because I was watching them tear. I would have been watching them tear Wednesday apart, but that's a really fun Front four they have up there. Elise is ridiculous. You know, he's he's everywhere. Joao is he is. I mean, he is peaking right now. But that kid looks good. Twenty one fucking goals. Twenty one goals. That is, he is killing it. He is in a great spot in a great system and good for him, man. It just sucks when he does it to us. I said I said in the WhatsApp group that the easiest money you'll ever make is Joao to score at any time and Reading to win by more than uh, by two goals or more. And sure enough, that's how it uh, played out. Yep. Man, I got to get a fucking bookie with good UK <laughs> connections. Yo, holler at me if you know anybody. <laughs> uh, we have anything else on the running game? It's over. It is, in it's fact, over. over, as is this segment. So we'll take a short break. We come back. We'll dispatch with the Wednesday news and a Norwich preview. Now it's time for some Wednesday news, uh, and as reported by Dom Housen at Yorkshire Live, uh, Wednesday appeared to be broke again. I think we already knew that, but uh, he had uh, a football finance expert from Sheffield Hallam University, Dr. Dan Plumley. I like that uh, you can that there's a course in football finances in Sheffield in Sheffield University. It makes sense, I suppose. Um, Yo, th- yeah, this guy gets called in all the time. I'm sure. Um, to go over their accounts. And it's not great. They're still spending more in wages and they're getting in turnover. The stadium stale was a one-time thing. And they stand to lose about 7 to £8 million pounds if they are relegated to League One. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they did get a mysterious six point five million dollar pound of payment, which he oh, suggested yeah. might be the settlement with Newcastle for Steve Bruce. So I, I guess we'll just address that now because that's that's the greatest. So, but I read two or three different things where the way that it was phrased was uh, confidential compensation package, and somebody they interviewed it might have been this guy said, "Oh, that's what they do when it's a coach." So. <laughs> Yo, we got 6.5 million pounds for Steve Bruce. Like, you know what? I've shat all over the poor guy and his mismanagement and everything. But 
Good job, Chancery. That was, I remember the delay and the holdout and everything was like, what's he doing? Just let it happen. Good for him. That's, imagine, that's a chunk like, of change, man. Imagine letting Rafa Benitez go because you don't want to give him the financial support in the transfer market he wants. Oh, Jeff, this is amazing. Oh, and then spending 6.5 million pounds on Steve Bruce. <laughs> to get relegated with Steve Bruce. Mm. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, I'd say uh, they're still way better off than we are. So all, all laughing aside, all laughing aside, yeah. I don't know. I, I will be a little bit contrarian here. And again, nice, nice reporting by some of the main guys that do things in Sheffield from Dom, uh, Joe Cran and, and Alex, uh, Miller, just good reporting. Like they got good people in, they, they talked to the right people. They wrote it up in different ways and kind of looked at the situation but from everything that I saw, it really looks like, yeah, we're broke. We spend too much money. We're getting better at our money spending, which is which is good. The uh, stadium thing being kicked forward gives them a little more flexibility in the rolling three-year FFP. Yeah, exactly. And and in the end, it is uh, you know there was a big uh, controversy, uh, controversial headline, sort of saying uh, what what was the actual. Is an actual quote. Therefore, a material uncertainty exists, which may cast doubt over the company's ability to continue as a growing concern and therefore may be unable to realize its assets and discharge its liabilities in the normal course of business. That's the quote. So what that means is, yeah, yo, so... Uh, it means we're broke? <laughs> no, it means... It means we Dave might be broke means, soon. <laughs> it means Dayfon Chancery is not legally bound to pay the fucking bills at Sheffield Wednesday. Okay. However... As long as Dayfon Chancery is willing to pay the bills at Sheffield Wednesday, they're okay. And that's what this entire report comes down to. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to start being nice to this dude. So if I could pay his bills, it keeps us afloat. Because if that dude steps out. Right. And we've we said this before. Fun. You can say what you will about him, but he is <laughs> he keeping, does. He's yes. keeping the lights on. Yeah. 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 100%. And. You know, from this far away, I have no idea how many teams up and down the league are in the same exact position. So, um, I, again, I mentioned the adult teams in the league. I know they're not. We know Brentford apparently looks like they know what they're doing and they've known what they're doing for a while. We know enough about parachute payments, or which are what they are. Well, I mean, there was, a, there was a rumor going around that if West Brom didn't get promoted, they were going to be yeah. in really bad shape financially because of what they had spent yeah. and the you know the loss of revenue from the shutdown and everything else not nine out of the last 10 years the uh efl championship has lost money as a collective league right and significant amounts of money uh hundreds of millions of dollars right this is not a sustainable thing the league needs to figure it out it's some of the shit we were talking about at the beginning of the year with the you know super league and the breakaway stuff and the funding through the COVID. right now everybody is dead ass broke as a football club. What's keeping us going is that, you know, homeboy's throwing in his money. And that's happening at different places. That's what's keeping Derby going. That's keeping Forest going. That's what kept Leeds going before they ended up getting in Bielsa. Like, there are clubs that are doing this and surviving. Big question that we're, we said we're not going to deal with until it happens, and we won't. But how does going to League One change that? And that's, you know, we've seen a couple of reports. Jeff, you you noted one. And then uh, I know Pete Lohman wrote an interesting breakdown on, on what it would look like going to League One. So uh, 
I know. I mean, it's interesting stuff. We were apparently Chancery was spending $36 million on wages, what, three years <laughs> I mean, ago? And this past year, this this past year was something like three million or, or yeah, it was just it was so much less. So we've we've reined in our spending. We've started to be more smart about it. And we talked about this. We, we've been in a hole for a while. Can we hang on and then get out of it? But I don't think that equated going to League One. <laughs> so, yeah. But we can't talk about that yet. So if you want to help balance the books, you can only sell some players. And there have been a fair amount of rumors around that. I want to start with the one that annoys me the most. I think this was Dom again <laughs> mentioned that several teams are interested in Osaze or Yahide. Again, not really a surprise. A good youth player, younger player, not even a youth player at this point. That's shown he can be a you know a solid player along the back line. You're always looking for, for center back depth with upside and he fits the bill. But it's like an unusual collection of teams. It's you know, it's it's teams that have designs on getting promoted this year, but it's also, you know, Leeds, which is a, a mid table Premier League tub. It's you know, I think it was Club Bruges, which has played in the Champions League in recent years. Um it is and this is a, a long term problem under Chancery. So frustrating that they don't they're not able to sort <laughs> this out and get these guys get these kids that are good under contract. Like Urgihide. I think Alex Hunt's out of contract this offseason too. We saw what happened with Liam Shaw. You know, this goes back to like Sean Clare and George Hurst. And like look, has George Hurst lit the world on fire in Rotherham? No, he is not. But when there are, you know, you've got to sort of figure out where you are as a club. I'm not saying they shouldn't even sell Urgihide in this transfer window. I'm saying he should be under a three year contract when they do it. It's they should have already like... figured that out. It's almost like there's no long-term <laughs> plan <laughs> at Wednesday. And there's James, agents James out is right. There we do have this going, show under control. Yes, and there's agents out there who are Fine. telling their players, well... <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too. Like, uh, this is... If these guys can leave on a free and sign a pre-contract, they're going to get way more in wages. Yeah. I'm not blaming any of them. No. Why'd you... No, no none of us blame the players. It's not the players. It's, well, it's the culture. It's the culture that they're that's yeah. not keeping them. Like I don't know what. Like I know he got hurt. I only had him when he had a bad game against the Leeds last year, and he got hurt towards the end of the season. But given their lack of backline depth and what you saw from Urgahide as what a nineteen-year-old last year, you just, as a matter of course, you sign that guy to a three or four-year contract. Dude can play across the back line, can probably <laughs> even be a pretty effective wing back. Yeah. Right? Like, no, he's... And if you look at how he's physically matured just from last year to this year, like, he looks like a guy that could be... Like, it would not shock me if he is starting for a Premier League team in three years. Wow, I know you pulled that out of your ass and threw it out there, and it's a bold call, but yeah, man, why not? Like, No, it would be sobering. He, he, may, he some... may not, but... I'm not saying he's going to be playing for, like, no, 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 Jeff, Everton, I, I get but, to, like, like... That's that's his ceiling, for sure. Yeah. We haven't seen what it isn't. Mike, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I was going to say it would be rather... It'll be sobering to see five- and seven-year careers yeah. mid, at a mid-table team. Well, look at Lucas Rao right now. Yeah. <laughs> at least we actually got some loot for him, right? Yeah, wait for a couple I mean, of years and you see Lucas Wilde playing Luke, Champions Luke League somewhere. Be, Lucas Rao could be playing in the Premier League right now. Like, the guys that do this at this level, 
most of them, their games can translate to the next level. Some guys can't, you know. I mean, yeah, he, no, he's putting David up, like, Nugent, Tammy Abraham, Tammy Abraham at Birmingham, <laughs> Birmingham, those numbers, yeah. But I mean, when you think about it, like, yeah, it's using the using the Joao example. If you look at what sort of the prices are right now for, you know, not even particularly good strikers, like Josh King hadn't scored all the year for Burnmouth, and I think went to Everton for like ten million or something. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, they should figure out Urihita's contract situation. That is the thing they should do. No, um, bringing it back. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great call, Jeff. But even bringing up Alex Hunt, who, let's be honest, hasn't shown a ton, but hasn't been given a chance right, to yeah, show yeah. anything, you know? So the fact that you let this kid, who ha- clearly has some potential, was a, a very effective player at a lower level, uh, and you never really gave him an opportunity Didn't to send him see out on whether he's worth a con. Yeah. Nothing. They never had a chance to fucking look at what he could do. And now just, God, I mean, I don't know that Alex Hunt is going to turn anything that good, but. Neither you know, does Wednesday, turn- and that's the problem. What if what if he turns into Barry Bannon? Like, that's a pretty nice career. That's a player that you want. I mean, think about where, you know? like, last year at this time. I think all of us thought Alex Hunt was probably a significantly better prospect than Liam Shaw. Like these guys changed quickly with experience, yeah, and the, again, true. how the way Shaw's physically changed, or Gahide has physically changed. You know, guys change a lot in their late teens and early twenties. So I know that there's this sort of idea that if you know soccer fans can be very impatient, and if a guy's not a you know obvious starter by like 22 or something, he's past his prime or not going to be a not going to be a factor not worthy of you know long-term consideration but you know it's, players peak at different times like lucas joao is clearly peaking right now at 20 i'll get 27 which is not an unusual age for yeah maybe last player. year he really yeah. started kicking in but yeah well yeah and this is a reference that nobody else will give a shit about and i don't care uh, i always think of that as the the mike trout bryce harper manny machado problem right you come up in the minors at age 19 20 you hit the Premier League or the Championship or whatever, first team football at 19, and you kick ass, well, now every single person that comes up is expected to follow that aging curve. And that doesn't happen. We're talking about generational players, you know? Right, like, how many, so, like, realistically, how many great England under-20 players turn into great English oh, national Jeff, team or Premier League players? We have a lot of listeners over the pond, but... No, I mean, just like, I'm I'm sure there's a way of it. It's just, yeah, just because you're the, one of the best players in your cohort at 19 doesn't mean it's going to be true at 25. 100%. 100%. Still, Jeff, let's, let's wrap this up with the idea that, uh, why haven't they fucking signed her (laughs) a (laughs) Gide? Yeah. Um, in transfer related news, I'm, uh, I won't say happy about, but more, uh, copacetic towards Cardiff and Watford, did you say, are poking around Adam Reach? Well, it sounds like they're, they would like to uh, get him at the end of the season on the free transfer. <laughs> sure. I'm a lot more concerned that uh, Neil Warnock is interested in Kadeem Harris, but because mm-hmm. um, I could see Kadeem Harris actually carrying us through the League One. But uh, Adam Reach, yeah, um, all the best. 
It would be nice if they sold him and they could have gotten some money for him. But again, as several of my co-hosts have intoned on podcasts this year and previous, there does not appear to be much of a long-term plan at Sheffield Wednesday. The long-term plan for this w- pot. Go ahead. I would like to point out, though, as I was going, as I was scrolling through this news about Adam Reach, I came across, and we're not going to do this now. We should have planned ahead, though. Fifteen questions. Was this Adam Reach or Tom Lee's? That's that's it. That's the entire quiz. Used to play for Leeds. We're not going to Tom Lee's. Tom Lee's. Do it. We do. Okay, maybe we are going to do this now. Uh, ah. Establishing connection. It's coming. Oh, signed. Oh, this, oh, we are doing this. Sorry. Signed for Wednesday <laughs> in a five million pound deal. That'd be Adam Reach. Reach. Has played for England under 21s. Ooh. I'm going to say Lee's. Uh, Reach. What are we going to go with? I'm going to go with Jeff because he got in first. Mm hmm. I, it's my connection. I apologize. Uh, shoot, it's not telling me what I got it right or wrong. Damn it. We'll <laughs> do it too. And probably. Then we'll leave do- it for everyone else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, save that. Time on loan with Darlington. That feels like oh. Leach. <laughs> uh, I gotta say Leach just to be different. I'm I just think I looked at, all in. I think I looked at Reach's Wikipedia page recently, and that was on there. Nice, Darlington. That's beautiful. Uh, which of the has made more league appearances for Sheffield Wednesday? Ooh, I at least came here first, but he's also in, I think, more injury by prone. a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, actually, you know what? It's, I'll, I'm going to go Lee's. I'll, I'll say Lee's on that one. I think it's I, Lee's. It feels it like too. a it feels yeah. like a trick question where it might be reach, but. Yeah. All right, Lee's. folks. That is footballleagueworld.co.uk. <laughs> so please knock yourself out and finish the. Uh, Adam Reach, Tom Lee's quiz. Right. The awesome. actual long-term plan for this podcast, that was a better transition two minutes ago, is to go to the Norwich preview. <laughs> so, Justin. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 23 wins? That's a lot of wins, man. How many years would this Sheffield Wednesday team have to play in the championship <laughs> to get 23 wins? I, I, don't make me do math right yeah. now, but... Edibles kicked in a little while ago. Uh, 76 points. Uh, they have 51 goals for, 25 against. Like, they just, oh, they've won six in a row. Their last loss was 2 nothing at Swansea. Um, and feel, felt like a big game at the time. Swansea was right there. Maybe that would turn fortunes. And they've just, yeah, won, picked up 18 from 18 since that. Uh, last game we played them, we were talking earlier, was, uh, it was the one I, I thought the sort of crowning moment of the Tony Pulis era. I, I thought we had a chance after that game. He set up and the team played really hard and we stymied them quite well. Um, but, you know, they had more talent than us and they had, uh, you know, some nice substitutions. I, I did note uh, that was yet another Izzy Brown 88th minute substitution. That's a little, little late and he's not going to look good when he's doing that. Um, Norwich plays what we play, a 4-2-3-1. Uh, they want possession. They want short passes. Uh, they want to attack uh, down the sides, use their width. Norwich attacks down the right side with uh, Emil Buendia. Yo, 
10 goals, 10 assists. It's uh, pretty solid. What I also like about Buendia, three yellows and two reds. So he's a uh, he's just an all-around player, aggressive. You know, we, certainly one of the most talented, if not the best player in the championship this year, although I'm an Ivan Tony guy. Uh, Timo Pukki, 20 goals. Yep, uh, do that. Max Ahrens is their uh, right back. It was the kid who was attached to uh, Barcelona a little while ago. And in that 4-2-3-1, those fullbacks really push up and provide pressure. And Max Ahrens has been described all year as being one of the drivers of play between him going up to Buendia uh, down the right side, doing it all. Yet Max Ahrens has only one goal all year. Jeff, who did Max Ahrens score his one goal of the season against? <laughs> yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, man. Just brutal. Uh Oliver Skips, their big central midfielder. He's a uh, loney from Spurs. He, he's one of the guys that runs that 4-2-3. Those holding midfielders need to be able to distribute the ball. But they got, they got Cantwell and Hanley in the center, giant men who had the ball out of the way. Tim Krul is in the goal. Like This is this is a ridiculous it's a Premier League quality team. Yeah. yeah, like I said before the year, they were going to win or advance by automatics. Uh, you know, it's they're they're going to run roughshod over us. That's that's what that is. Yeah. At least we'll get to see an effective four four two three one. <laughs> I mean, Reading plays that too, don't they? So they do. <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> Probably the same thing that is going to happen on Saturday. You've been listening to episode 130 of the Owls AmeriCast. You can find us on the internet, owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls of AmeriCast, we ask you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter, at Cascadia Owls. Mike, uh, where, what do you think is a good score out of 15 in the Lees or Reach quiz? Oh my what gosh. should our listeners I, be shooting might for? Be embarrassed. Yeah. I would I, I may get 10. Hmm? But the one I just came across is an intriguing one because it's played every single league minute of the Tony Pulis Owls era. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be Lee's. I, Reach feels like a guy that gets subbed on and or off at times. We will be sharing this link on our socials and we want to hear your score. Yes, <laughs> please, please do. And be honest, people. Be honest. Uh, <laughs> just as on Twitter at New England Owls. Uh, Justin, how many edibles will you need to get through the Wednesday Norwich game this weekend? I won't do that because it'll be too early in the morning and I have my uh, home league fantasy baseball draft uh, going on this Saturday. I don't even know if I give a shit about baseball anymore, which is really sad, but... I'd rather do that than watch Wednesday. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, is what it is. So I'll be tuning in. We'll, we'll, we'll take a beating. Um, and I'll uh, probably drink during the games. So I'm going to be drinking during my draft. So, and I'm on Twitter at Jeff Pedernostro. And like it or not, and we're not thrilled. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>